This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that, Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. Let me go right now to the 40th commissioner of the New York Police Department, Bernie Carrick. Bernie, how you doing today? Andrew, how are you, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, look, let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about, let's just say 22 years ago today, September 10th into September 11th. What were you, you know, what, what was the day, the night before, let's say, and the morning of September 11th like for you as you found out, obviously, that our country was under attack? You know, it's weird. Um, as, as you may recall, uh, you know, working for your father was not was not an easy task. <laughs> so on on September 10th, that night, I would have done what I was doing any other night in, you know, uh, going through the city, uh, looking at what was going on with regard to crime reduction. My first call, a lot of people didn't realize this, Andrew. My first call in the morning to your father, from your father, really, was at 6.05 every morning. Right. He would call me, and he would want to know what happened the night before. My last call to your father was usually between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. Right. And that was every night. Mm-hmm. September 10th was no different. I was actually finishing up my book at the time. I, I had finished the manuscript that night, spoke to your father, went to bed, the next day, Tuesday, was going to be the um, the primary, the mayoral primary for the city. Your dad and I talked about that, where we were going to be, what we where we would meet uh, at the end of the day. We're going to have dinner. And then uh, I got to work early the next morning, went into my office uh, like I usually did, spoke to him before I got in, got ready for the day. And, you know, at, at 8.46... I was in my bathroom in my office, actually getting ready to take a shower. I had just worked out. Right. And John Pigiano, my chief of staff, came in banging on the door. And I, I opened the door. Uh, I was a bit perturbed that he was making all this racket. Mm-hmm. And I said, what, what's, what's the problem? What are you doing? He said, a plane just hit Tower 1. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. calm down. I said, what are you so excited for? Now, I'm thinking in my head, it's a small aircraft. Right. It's, a, well, you know, one of the Cessnas that fly up and down the Hudson River. And I thought I was going to look out my conference room window and see the tail end of one of these small aircraft sticking out of the window or into the building like a car accident. Right. But that's not what I saw. Actually, before I got to my conference room, I looked up at the television. It was above a treadmill in the back of my office, and I could see the damage to the building. And that's the reason I ran into the conference room. I pulled open the drapes, looked at the tower, which was about a half a mile from my office. I could see the the building clearly. And I knew at that point we weren't talking no small aircraft. Uh, I could see through the corner of the building. I went back into my desk. 
I put a call into your dad. He was uptown in Midtown on the way downtown already. Uh, I told him I would meet him at our command center at uh, Seven World Trade. And, uh, and I headed down that way. I was down there within seven or eight minutes. And when I got to the corner of West Broadway and Vesey Street to turn onto the block to get into Seven World Trade, the police were there. They stopped our motorcade. And one of the sergeants came up and he said, Commissioner, you can't turn into the block because they're jumping. Yeah. And I had, I had no idea what he was. I didn't know what he meant. Right. And I stepped out of the car walked up to the corner and at that point I could see debris coming down off of the building and I didn't realize until that debris got closer to the ground that it wasn't debris it was actually bodies so that ends up happening do you end up at that point going into the command center is that where you ended up meeting with my father at the first point or were you guys on the ground and then got up to the command center how did you guys end up rendezvousing at that time so I was waiting for your father. I, I see the damage. I backed the vehicles up to Barclay Street and West Broadway. There, there was a little Merrill Lynch office on that corner. I backed the vehicles up, had my guys call your dad. I said, listen, meet me at West Broadway and Barclay. I'm going to bring a temporary command bus and put it on that corner because we're not going to be able to get into the Office of Emergency Management. It's not going to work. Um, so I was. I just talked to them. I turned around to look at the building, and as I was looking at the building, there was this enormous explosion in Tower Two. And when you see that, you know, when you look at the footage today and you see that big orange fireball blow out the north side of Tower Two, I'm standing under that building. I'm right on, directly in front of it, watching this explosion. And that was the second aircraft slamming through the north side of the building. Right. Your father rolled up about three minutes later, <laughs> got out of the vehicle, met me on that corner. We spoke for about five minutes, and he said he wanted to walk down to West Street to the command center. There was a temporary command center there. We're going to go down to West Street and meet with the fire department, uh, Chief uh, uh, First Deputy Commissioner Fien. Chief Gancy and Ray Downey, and we were going to meet them and look at the damage to Tower One from the other side. We walked down. We met with them. They were all there at once, and the mayor met with them for about 15 minutes. And I said, listen, we've got to go back to that Merrill Lynch office. Your father wanted to call the White House, and he was looking for air support, and he was looking for federal, uh, federal assistance. So I said, we'll go back to Merrill Lynch, that office. They secured that office. My guy secured that office. And we were walking away, Andrew, from those guys. And Father, uh, Father Michael Judge ran up to your dad, and he put his hand on his head, and he blessed him with the sign of the cross. And he said, God bless you. Go and be safe. And we walked back up to Barclay Street. And sorry to sorry to, sorry to cut you off, Bernie, but I believe Father Judge was killed just a few short minutes later, and, and I think it was by somebody who actually had um, had jumped off one of the towers, if I'm not mistaken. It, that, that yeah, continue. actually, actually, all of them, yeah. every one of those guys that we met with 15 minutes earlier, they all died. Father Judge was hit by a jumper. Right. 
we were actually inside 75 Barclay Street. Your father was on the phone with the White House. He was looking to talk to the president. They said the president's not in. The vice president's coming to the phone. And as he waited, I was standing in front of him at a desk. All of a sudden, he just looked at me. and He hung up the phone. He said, Jesus, that's not good. I said, what is it? He said, I think they just said that the, that the Pentagon has been hit and they're evacuating the White House. Oh. And as he said those words, and I was trying to grasp what he was talking about, the building we were in began to shake like a freight train was coming through the side of it. And Tower 2 was actually imploding two blocks south of us. Yeah. And that's when Feehan laid down a... Chief Gansey and Michael Judge, they all perished. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno, he's your numero uno. So now you guys at that point, you guys end up leaving uh, Building 7. And I actually just told the story before you got on from, it had obviously been retold to me. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was a point where you guys were going to go down and take the nearest exit. And there was somebody who intercepted you guys down there who was a janitor who basically took you out a, a different exit. Is that, is that correct? Or is it, am I, did no, I mix uh, the story up? A little? No, here's, so here's the deal. Yeah. We weren't in tower seven. We couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. So we were across the street in Merrill Lynch. Right. The problem is tower two imploded and we couldn't get out the doors. We came in because they were all blocked. All the debris had showered that street mm -hmm. and we couldn't get out. So we were stuck in, and I can, you know, it's, it's weird as I, I used to think about this constantly. I remember being in there, you know, just about suffocating from all the dust and the smoke and the debris and the gas. And I thought all the stuff I've done in my life, gun battles, I've been stabbed, I've been shot at, all this stuff. I'm going to die in this office because I can't breathe. Right. I'm going to suffocate in here. And all of a sudden. As all this is going on, some door opens in the back of the office, and I see these two Spanish guys standing there in maintenance outfits with a bunch of keys. Right. And I went over to the guy, and I said, I said, do you have keys for these doors? Yeah. He said, yes, sir. And I said, open this door, and we want to, we want to walk through the – we basically walked right. through a maze of tunnels inside that building – and we actually came out on 100 Church Street, wow. which is a city building. We came out in the lobby of that building. Wow. 
Now, these guys, if I'm not mistaken, these guys were never identified, right? And, and, the, and the theory was that I, they, maybe they were maybe they were undocumented or, or, you know, if you want to be a little more divine about it, potentially guardian angels or something like that. Were they ever were they ever well, actually listen, found who they were? Yeah, I, yeah, I think they were identified. Okay. They were found. They were, in fact, maintenance guys for the building. Okay. But I, I will tell you this. When you think of guardian angels, these guys showed up at the right yeah. time, at the right place. And I don't think there was any more, anybody more shocked. You know, they were shocked. They were stunned. They opened the door. They walk, they're trying to figure out what's going on with all this, these explosions and this noise. The guy opens the door, and there's the mayor, the police commissioner, the fire commissioner. We're all standing there. Yeah. And they're looking at us, and we're looking at them, and we're like, oh, boy. Yeah. You know, hey, we got to get out of here. And they led us through that maze of uh, doors. Well, we're on with Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, who was the police commissioner on September 11, 2001, that day. His leadership was uh, was uh, among the top people that really got our city and, and our country through that day. Um, you know, f- final question kind of on this here before we get into kind of come to some of the current problems here in our country and in New York City in particular. You know, I think about this 30 percent of people that are alive now, were not born on September 11th. What do you want them to know, or what do you want them to learn about September 11th and about that day, now 22 years later? I think there's a couple things, and I'll, I'll do these in, in a storyline if, yeah. if I can. Please. You know, when President Bush came to ground zero on September 14th, and he told all of us to jump in his vehicle, and there were six of us counting him, jump in his vehicle. He wanted to go to the Javits Center to see the families. And we all got in those vehicles, and we, it was a tight squeeze. And we went up the West Side Highway, and there were thousands and thousands of people on the West Side Highway with these signs. Go get him, George. God bless America. God bless George Bush. God bless our president and all this stuff. And I remember the president looking out the window, and he said, Rudy, he said, look at these people. These, they're so resilient. They're so great. They're, you know, I can't believe the city. And, and your father looked at him in a very serious way, and he said, Mr. President, I hate to be the one to tell you this. He said, but not one of those people voted for you. <laughs> he said, we're on the west side of Manhattan. <laughs> and, and everybody laughed. They were hysterical. Yeah. Governor Pataki laughed the loudest, and your father <laughs> basically looked at him, and he said, what are you laughing at? He said, they didn't vote for you neither. <laughs> so, you know, and everybody was, we were all laughing. But, but here's the thing behind that statement. Right. New York City had united. Yeah. The country had united. There was no Democrat or Republican Party. There was no conservative, no liberal. We were all one. Where are those people today? Yeah. Where's that mindset today? Yeah. Where is it? The second thing I just want to remind people. On that day, the members of the New York City Fire Department, the Port Authority Police, and the New York City Police Department effected the greatest rescue mission in the history of our country. They took twenty to 25,000 people out of those buildings and the surrounding buildings, and they took and evacuated close to a million people wow. out of Manhattan into the four boroughs. They did it under the leadership of your dad. Unparalleled, never happened before. It's never happened since. Probably will never happen again. Don't forget what Rudy Giuliani did for this country. 
Well, when everybody was scrambling and crying and whimpering and diving under beds and hiding in their closets, the city, the country needed leadership. And I and I don't I don't take anything away from President Bush and what he did, but the but the pillar of strength for the United States on in the aftermath in the aftermath of September 11th was Rudy Giuliani. Well, that's who it was. Well. Uh- I agree. I can only add to that that it wasn't just Rudy Giuliani. It was Bernie Carrick. It was Tom Von Essent. It was, you know, all of your commanding officers, all of his commanding officers in that day that, like you said, ended up conducting the greatest rescue mission in American history, which is pretty amazing. And, and I think about this a lot. Obviously, it is such a such a tragic day. But the fact that there were only 23 police officers that were killed on that day. Obviously, we know subsequently there have been more, but it really is amazing that the NYPD was able to execute the rescue mission that they were able to with as small of a casualty count as as it is. And I know that's kind of a war way of thinking, if you will, but that's really what you were doing in so many ways. You know what, Andrew? We took heavy losses, whether it was 23 on our end, 37 from the Port Authority Police. The fire department took the brunt of the hit because they were up inside the buildings. Um, But even even with those losses, 400, you cannot you, you can't even fathom the amount of work and dedication and courage it took for those 400 and the people behind them to get out into the field and evacuate Manhattan, evacuate lower Manhattan. And, and I will say this from, from my perspective, my team, Joe Esposito, the best chief of department I think the NYPD has ever seen. Joe Dunn, my first deputy. Chief Moran, uh, Bill Moran, the, the chief of patrol. Uh, Bill Ali, the chief of detectives. I had what I consider the greatest team that the NYPD has ever seen, and I think that was demonstrated on and in the aftermath of September 11th. Well, to that point in terms of how great a team that you had, you know, I've said this time and time again, when you look at what the NYPD did, and, and you're such a big part of this, not just with the NYPD, but also the corrections department as well, but when you look at what the NYPD did from the mid-90s all the way to the mid-2010s, right, for a 20-year stretch to take murders, to take violent crime down by Almost 90% the way they did over 2,000 murders a year in the early 90s, consistently in the early 90s, over 2,000 murders a year to less than 300. In those statistics, they end up going through murders, through through rapes, through violent crimes. I mean, in, in the corrections department, it was over 95%. And now, how does the NYPD get thanked for all this? You want defunding the police. You have activists that are going out there and saying that the police are the brunt of all of our problems here in New York and around the country. And specifically, what I want to ask you about is this lawsuit that the NYCLU, so the ACLU, along with the Legal Aid Society and Letitia James, ended up settling with the NYPD over here that really ends up neutering the strategic response group at um, different riots, basically. I mean, yeah, protests, but especially the riots when you really need the police coming in there. What is that going to do for New York City and for the NYPD? It demoralizes the police department, number one. It castrates them in power and authority. It annihilates the morale of the leadership. Look, 
you, nobody's done more for New York City. Nobody ever, ever in the history of New York City. Nobody's done more to reduce crime, reduce violent crime and murder, increase economic development, increase real estate values, increase tourism. Nobody has done more than your dad. No one. No one. It's never happened. It's never happened. The model for the renaissance of New York City was created by Rudy Giuliani. So whether it's the police department and what they did on violent crime, whether it's correction, I reduced inmate-on-inmate violence at Rikers by 93%. 93%. Unheard of in the United States of America, right? And I had... 130,000 inmate admissions a year. My daily population was 22,000. Today, they have like 4,000 in, I, I, 4, inmates. I could have done that part-time. <laughs> I could have done it part-time. Yet, they are in a position where they're being monitored by the feds. They're being sued by everybody under the sun. And why is it? It's because of the leadership. Yeah. It's all about leadership. Bernie, look. If you have the right leadership, you can get the job done. And don't tell me you can't because I did it. Yeah, Your father did it. Yeah. Don't say it can't be done. We did it. Commissioner, let me ask you, and this is kind of my last question here to you on this. You know, when I think about this and I think about if you were in charge, if my father was in charge again, I think you guys would be able to straighten this out in about a week or two. But, you know, look, we can have political debates about you know, how much you tax. We can have political debates about social issues and this and that. And I understand you can have different perspectives on all this. Why on earth wouldn't people ultimately take the playbook that you, along with my father and, and certainly others, they were, you guys weren't the only two, but you guys were certainly two of, two of the lead people in putting this together for the next administration, uh, the Bloomberg administration, and then for future administrations. Why on earth would you not follow what has been proven to work so well. What do you think the motive and the intent is for this current mayor, the previous mayor, and other, let's say, mayors and leaders around the country that are not only not doing what you guys did, but are actually doing the exact opposite? You do it because you want a different outcome. That's why. You're, You're dealing with today, today in New York City, you have members of the New York City Council that are admitted socialists and Marxists. You have admitted members of the city council and, and, and other parts of the administration that are extremely anti-cop, yeah. anti-law and order. They want to create chaos in the streets. That's what they want. It serves their purpose. You only don't follow what your father did or what Bloomberg continued on to do. And nobody knows this better than Joe Esposito, my chief, that I appointed chief because he worked in both of those administrations. He was the longest reigning chief of department in the history of the NYPD. Nobody knows how to do this stuff better than he does. And if you gave him, if he became the police commissioner tomorrow, or I went back or one of, one of our guys, Joe Dunn went back into the PD and you gave him the reins and said, here, go do your job, do what you have to do. And I'm going to support you and and endorse you to do what you have to do. I promise you in six months, 
it would completely be turned around because the models have been built that were unparalleled in the United States. You're exactly right. They're not following it because they want a different outcome to the detriment of all New Yorkers. Well, look, Bernie, we're, we're out of time, but I just want to thank you very much for your leadership for this city. I want to thank you very much at, at another topic I want to get to. You're going to have to come back because I want to talk, obviously, about political prosecutions and what we're going through in the country at wide. But I'm sure we'll be talking to you tomorrow as well on September 11th. Bernie, thank you so much for your time. Andrew, thank you. 